Welcome to Between Two Barrels Podcast, live from Legend Studios. Between Two Barrels is a weekly podcast highlighting some of the legends across the state of Tennessee. From Dolly Parton to the elusive Tennessee Wildman, from our head distiller to our legendary products and employees. This podcast will discuss spirits of all kinds here in Tennessee Legend Distillery. From country stars and cryptids to everything in between, we will talk about the life in a Tennessee distillery. What's up, legends, and welcome back to another episode of Between Two Barrels Podcast. I am your host, Opie, and joined by B-Low, and we are here at Studio 66. Yes. On Highway 66. Yes, the newly monikered studios. And Tennessee Legend Distillery on Winfield Dunn Parkway in Sevierville, Tennessee. B-Low, how are you? Doing well, Opie. Doing well. Uh, As you will have noticed, yes, uh, we are introducing everything as Studio 66, starting with this episode. Mm -hmm. Um, After after a little bit of time, doing a little bit more focus, um, just diving in a little bit more in-depth, we're able to come up with a new moniker, which I think is... A bit more apropos, mm-hmm. um, has a better feel to it, a better vibe to it, um, and of course, while is still sponsored by Tennessee Legend Distillery, yes, um, is a an outlet of Tennessee Legend Distillery. Mm-hmm. Uh, does feel like it is a little bit more of its own entity, mm-hmm. as it were, with those changes. Uh, so make sure to start looking for all those changes to be happening across all the different social media platforms as well as uh, seeing the different formats on what would be the different podcast platforms yes uh, podbean apple Podcasts, uh, spotify all those different things so as all of that stuff does get rolled out uh, just make sure that you are you know not dropping us off because you see something different uh, same great stuff just mm-hmm. a new uh, moniker a new name and, but still the same cool vibe and everything else that we Absolutely. have been providing for the last uh, couple of months now, as it were. Yeah, it, it goes by fast. It does. It really does. This being my first foray into this industry. Once, I mean, it's, it's a get, full-on industry now. Once you get in it and you get your schedule and you're just like constantly churning and churning and churning and churning, you'll look up and you're months in already. Oh, dang. Yeah, like I made a post yesterday um, sharing the, the change that w- had been made for mm-hmm. the profile photo uh, on our Facebook page. Um, I made sure to put in there that that this started out as a, a brainchild of, of multiple people several years ago. Several years ago, yeah. Uh, and is now being realized. You know, some other people have definitely helped along the way. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely true as far as if it had not been for your tenacity in continuing with trying to strive and push for this project, there is the possibility that it could still be in planning phases as opposed (laughs) to realization. uh, And the fact that we have now, like I said, this should be episode 34 or 35. Yeah, something like that. uh, Collectively between the the Cocky Top Mm -hmm. podcast and the Between Two Barrels podcast. It's it's exciting, man. It's it's. You know, you start to find that flow and that, uh, you know, comfortability, and you you start to realize like when to when to go on a tangent, when not to go on a tangent. I want to listen back to this, 
I've gotten to the point where I don't listen back to 30 and Nerdy anymore because... You've gotten that dialed I've, in. I've gotten that... Well, I've just... I do all the editing and after all, all that editing, I just kind of like just send it out there and I just, for some reason, got to the point where like I'm not going back and listening. Right. Plus, anytime I'd go back and listen, sometimes in 30 and Nerdy, I'd go like, ah, Tyler, why'd you keep that in? You sound like an idiot. But these I enjoy going back and listening to because um, we tend to, like, today's episode, God, we've learned a lot in just the little research that you've done. Oh, yeah. Into what started out as a simple uh, ghost story cryptid for a local battlefield has become something bigger. So uh, it's, it's really exciting. I can't wait to, to dive into what we're talking about today. Yes. Um, if you all remember the last episode, uh, we talked about ghosts of the battlefields. And we highlighted three of the top three most haunted battlefields in the country. Alamo, Antietam, and Gettysburg. However, number four on that list was a little runner-up. It's not too far from our location right now. Second bloodiest battle behind Gettysburg Mm -hmm. in the American Civil War. Took place in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, Chattanooga, Chickamauga area. Uh, Chickamauga being North Georgia, literally across the river. If you go towards Chattanooga, you'll see signs for the Chickamauga Dam and Chickamauga area. Um, The Battle of Chickamauga, as he says, second bloodiest battle in the Civil War. Yes, 35,000 dead, dying, dead, wounded, or missing. Total of 35,000 between the two forces. Union forces estimated at um, what would have been 16, Mm -hmm. and uh, Confederate forces estimated at 18,000. Uh, dead, this was, dying, a, this was a Union loss. Yes, considered widely a Union loss to begin mm-hmm. with. It was a situation to where uh, General Bragg, or Fort Bragg is named mm-hmm. after, had pushed the Union forces back across the uh, the river there between Chickamauga going into Chattanooga, and at that point in time had decided to not pursue for whatever reason Um, And in most accounts, it was a situation because there had been so many casualties Mm -hmm. on the side of the South. They felt that they didn't have the the reinforcements at that time to continue to push forward with the knowledge that Grant was on his way with reinforcements Mm -hmm. to Chattanooga to be able to launch a full-scale counteroffensive at that point in time. And... And... In that decision, ultimately wound up costing because, with the way that the Union troops were retreating at that time, they would have proven to be very easily overwhelmed, even oh, yeah. with the the fewer troops that the there Confederate soldiers had at that time. Many historians who th- who feel like this could have been a turning point had he pursued him. Very much so, and the fact that he did not is where it took a very positive turn for the Union forces at that time because, of course, Grant was able to reach Chattanooga, was able to uh, fortify and reinforce the line that had been created in the um, Mm -hmm. eastern half of the Southern Theater, which then, of course, everything eventually got culminated in the Battle of Gettysburg. Yeah. Yeah, this one, the situation where with everything that we learned last week uh, about the the amount of energy and the the just sheer number of deaths, casualties, wounded, like all of that negative energy at that point in time just creates a lasting imprint on an area. And, and so much so, I mean, to where there are reports to where because this was happening in these creek beds mm-hmm. and uh, there's ponds and stuff like that and eventually leading into uh, the different river systems and stuff like that in the area that, that these creek beds and these ponds wound up running red with the amount of blood that was spilled during this battle and, and so many stories and so many accounts that still happen not only now but even during the battle and before, as I learned in doing some research for, as this episode is going to be focusing on the legend of Old Green Eyes and the Chickamauga battlefield area. 
um, is that reports of a glowing uh, green-eyed figure, mm-hmm. apparition, creature, TBD, <laughs> at this point, um, that predates even uh, what would have been the Civil War, going back into uh, accounts from Native Americans, and mm-hmm. and I talk to you a little bit about this before we you know yeah. started recording in the episode that when you when you told me that that there were green-eyed accounts before the civil war even happened how was I th- that changes everything so much so and that it opened up an entirely new door yeah. as to my thought process on on really what what exactly is old green eyes and and i couldn't help but think to different episodes of supernatural and wishing i had a bobby singer to be able to provide all the information of what like for some of those episodes bobby was the doctor and sam and dean were the patients describing what Mm -hmm. their symptoms were and he was having to figure out best how to treat the symptoms and and figure out how to cure the disease that's how I feel about what old green eyes is. Yeah. Is I we have all these different symptoms but what exactly is it? And and like I said, I mean the the internet is a fantastic place for being able to get some information, but I, I would like to have someone that has so much more extensive knowledge at in their brain as opposed to that knowledge being at the fingertips yeah just to be able to ask more direct questions um and and honestly i know that and and to to reference my diagnosis diagnosis metaphor um i think it's a situation to where old green eyes has been misdiagnosed Mm -hmm. multiple times and that there are accounts that are attributed to whatever this green-eyed entity is that's not really it yeah. doing things. Like, I just did a quick search, just typed in old green eyes into the Google machine, and conflicting reports and stories show up of, like, what old green eyes is. And, then you know, most of the basics ones are still like, oh, it's the ghost of a soldier who died in the Battle of Chickamauga. Right, and one of the ones that I came across yeah. was that a, a uh, wife mm-hmm. of a soldier, a lover of a soldier, gifted, you know, here, remember me by these, you're mm-hmm. going to be gone for a while, a pair of emerald earrings. And that that's what is being seen is the emerald earrings as the eyes of this soldier wound up being killed mm-hmm. who is forever searching for a way to be able to get back home to his beloved as one of the stories yes. that happen. But um, one of the other ones that I'm sure you wound up coming across is that there are potentially accounts of soldiers that were wounded laying there on the battlefield claiming to see a creature going around eating the body parts mm-hmm. of fallen soldiers going from body to body consuming bits and pieces of a different soldiers mm-hmm. and stuff like that as well as multiple other accounts so yeah that's why i'm like what exactly is or this what led me down the rabbit hole to try to figure out more likely what is old green eyes Compared to a, a just a spirit of a, a human that lost their life at some point in time. It's crazy to think that that it could be a misdiagnosis because of the changing of time and a game of telephone. Yes. If there's these accounts that date back to Native American times on what old green eyes could be a Wendigo, its own entity on its own an elemental some spirit of nature that we're going to get into a little more and then you know as time went on maybe there was a a dry spell and then here we are in the the civil war era the indians have been ran out of their homes Mm -hmm. and now we're living here and all that and if there's not been accounts for a while and there's no way of these soldiers reading these Native American tales, right? then old green eyes that they see become something totally different. 
Right. It's a specter to them. They're just like, oh, there's, you know, or it's a creature eating bodies. Then time goes by. Maybe it's kind of like an it thing. It only appears so many years or a Jeepers Creepers type thing. Right. And then you get away from the Civil War. People see it again. Don't really have any accounts to find. So they're just like, oh, it's a ghost. Right. It's a fallen Confederate or Union soldier. So we're recreating what Old Green Eyes is. Because we've gotten so far away from the people who were first here before us. Right. Who have said, no, no, we've seen it. And that's something that also led me to think that maybe it didn't even have origins in America as it were to begin with. Or what is Mm -hmm. considered America today. Because if you do go back to the time of, if you believe in the... Mm -hmm the uh continents all being joined together in what would be Pangea, the yes. one one landmass. Yeah. The Smoky Mountains are the same mountain ranges that are in Celtic, Scottish yes. you know, all of that, the the area that is Scotland and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So any of the things and we've mentioned this in previous episodes, so any things that could have been in those mountain ranges as yeah. far as a spirit, an entity, an elemental, whatever the case may be, at that point in time, could still be in existence to this day. Absolutely. And and that got me to thinking, okay, well, what are some other things that could be not necessarily, quote-unquote, a Native American, you know, cryptid or entity that would have these different types of of characteristics in terms of um, actual physical appearance, uh, characteristics, how they act, how they move, all of these different things. And then looking into a majority of the different accounts is as to what people described whenever seeing Old Green Eyes or mm-hmm. what they attributed to being Old Green Eyes is what first, of course, led me to the well, it's a case of mistaken identity, a misdiagnosis, because the the accounts that people are seeing and not necessarily seeing the green eyes, but attributing something that they can't understand or can't explain as... And like you said, you know, there has been so much space in between time and it's been more like a game of telephone mm-hmm. in that that things are being attributed to old green eyes it's not old green eyes so it, it's really hard to to determine exactly what's what and and one of the things that like i said really got me to thinking on that was the the accounts from the soldiers on the battlefield in that you do have these people who are in pain in agony in an altered state of mind you know I've heard about this old green eyes thing. Mm. The the Native Americans talk about this spirit, this creature, and then they see, you know, a Wendigo or something like that potentially going around and nom nomming on some, mm-hmm. you know, dead soldiers. dead soldiers. Or you may see a a creature, and there's a multitude of creatures, not just a a reaper as it were, mm-hmm. that is responsible through different ideologies and and mythologies that escort souls from the land of the living mm-hmm. to the land of the dead, whatever that may be, whether it be the the ethereal plane, whether mm-hmm. it be a, a heaven or a hell or a purgatory or mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. So you've got that potentially being attributed to or saying that this is old green eyes that's doing this and then as you said that's what these soldiers are seeing but you get so far away from the soldiers accounts that you get to where you have all these tourists and stuff that are going Mm -hmm. to the area they know the information oh this was a historic battlefield 35,000 people died in this area yes we can hear cannon still echoing in the mm-hmm. evenings you know we can still hear musket fire we can still hear shouting you still hear drums you still hear the sounds of war at different mm-hmm. points we see something that is an ethereal you know or or something we don't understand the brain automatically says must be a civil war soldier yes let's come up out of the way to make sure that this is something or let's continue to piece that together in our mind okay 
if there's something that's walking around that's a, a confederate soldier that has green glowing eyes why does it have green glowing eyes oh his wife must have given him some emerald earrings and mm-hmm. and that's you know just piecing together something that absolutely has no correlation of being together and especially you know if you do know like we now know mm-hmm. that that there were accounts predating the civil war and if that's the case then why can't we go even further back to say that this is something that has been here for e- even eons before that i mean yeah and then that there's it's actually not american it's yeah Scottish. It, it could be something completely different yeah. that isn't even a, a a malevolent entity in any capacity so one of the other things in my search as far as potentials for what old green eyes could be as opposed to a a ghoul a mm-hmm. wendigo a just a spirit of mm-hmm. a fallen soldier is i came up with the forest spirit that is known as a leshy a leshy a leshy a leshy is literally he from the forest borrowy a deity of the forest in pagan slavic mythology as leshy rules over the forest and hunting he may be related to the Slavic god uh, Porowit. Uh, Leshy is a masculine entity of humanoid form, possesses the remarkable ability to adopt to the guise of any appearance, and can change in size and height. In some accounts, Leshy is described as having a wife, and also sometimes uh, having children. So this is a possibility that this is something that could be similar to the, 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 the Yeti. Yeah is that it's not necessarily like a full just entity that it's just the one thing that's seen all yeah, over or a, you know each area or an offspring or yeah that there's there's multiples of these they actually have a procreating system that they continue throughout time um but one of the other main characteristics is that at times it is is said to have glowing green eyes mm. and and has an appearance and some of the the first hand accounts of old green eyes have of being a longer hair uh, of having um semi combination of like a humanoid slash animalistic appearance um and of course the main feature of course being the glowing green mm. eyes couple of the other things of course the wendigo the jikininki um another form of a ghoul uh, but this is of course japanese yeah because with the different accounts like i said you have people as civil war soldiers saying that they saw this entity going around while not necessarily saying it had green eyes they saw an entity that was going around and consuming yeah cannibalistically Soldiers and and one of the things I was like, okay, well, let's not necessarily focus on searching for something this way. Let's look at it. What are typing in as you said to the Google machine? Mm. What are some mythical creatures that would more likely hang around battlefields? Ghouls. Yes, because they do feed off of either souls mm. or there's a couple uh, of episodes decomposing, of decaying supernatural where ghouls are the thing they're hunting and spoiler alert there's one episode where they find their long lost half brother Adam uh, that John had with another woman it's Adam the entire episode but then you find out at the end of the episode that Adam's been dead and a ghoul took his his likeness and they've been feeding on bodies in the local cemetery so I mean yeah there's ghoul lore dating back to pre-America I mean, the fact that it could be any of these things, or the fact that it could be this intelligent elemental ener- energy or or entity that changes with the times. Yeah. Like, it's like, okay, you know, I, I got around so long being a ghost. I don't, I can't do ghost anymore. Then now I'm a humanoid. Now, you know, it's just this ever-changing thing, kind of like the, uh, the, uh, the boggart in Harry Potter, you see what your fear right. is. It changes its its look to look what to show what you you're afraid you of. You just added another one to the list. Yeah. 
I mean, it could be. What an if entity. someone at some point in time had just heard stories of what Old Green Eyes was, and then there just happens to be a boggart running mm, around the boggart, Chickamauga yeah. battlefield, <laughs> yeah. and then you know someone sitting there, laying there, dead and dying, mm-hmm. would would see you know something feeding on something. That's what they feared is you know being eaten being eaten by some weird creature and and who's to say even at this point i mean if you look back in history i mean of course we've all already uh joked and been semi-serious in terms of uh what the national parks are and what teddy roosevelt did in terms of uh providing a place for you know cryptids to to Mm -hmm. have an area to be able to roam and the occasional uh hiker who decided to f around and find out by going off of the beaten path you know stumbled upon something that they really shouldn't have who's to say that there couldn't have been a lycanthrope Ooh, i just throwing that out there that's a good one because i mean that's the the belief of uh uh werewolves and lycanthropes uh you know the beast of bray road and uh, dog men. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, mean, I mean, literally, old green eyes and, could and be what a happens, list of cryptids. Yes, like all mistaken. of these different things are being mistaken because one of the accounts, and I listened to this just this morning, is that there was a gentleman who was in one of the towers or in the main tower there on Chickamauga Battlefield, and there are shooting windows. Oh yeah, to to be able to fire out, but it's less less likely to to be able to get a fire or shot in one of those windows. Mm-hmm. Um, and that uh, he had climbed up to what would have been the lightning rod on top of the building, and then was on his way back down. You know, he was hooping and hollering at his friends and stuff like that. Was on his way back down, and found himself looking through one of those mm-hmm. uh, uh, shooting windows. And then saw what would have been two green orbs, you know, maintaining as what would be eyes. Mm -hmm. And then just started feeling himself being pulled out of one of those windows. Like, not like a, 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 a physical manifestation of, like, being grabbed and pulled out. But he felt like going. But, but like, there was a, a feeling, like, not that he reached up and, and... Mm-hmm. But for some reason, like, I don't know if it was a blackout moment, an out-of-body experience, or whatever the case may have been, but for whatever reason, he wound up going out, and this is, this is his recount, is that he saw the, what would be the green eyes and then just felt this feeling of being pulled through one of those windows. Unfortunately, he did fall um, quite a ways um, hitting some stones and stuff that did wind up uh, breaking his back, became paraplegic for the remainder of what his life would have been. During what would have been the last several years of his life, he became fascinated with any sort of large green glowing eyes in any kind of artwork or anything like that. Think the movie Congo, where the oh, gorilla yeah. Amy was painting all painting the different eyes, eyes and stuff yeah. like that this sort of same type of scenario that in his his last years you know i don't know a sense of feeling the end is near whatever the case may be um but just started getting into like would get the velvet art of large cat eyes or you go to the circus or fair or whatever the case may be and you got the the little glass uh, frame prints or yeah. a poster that's just nothing you don't there's nothing but black on there and then you have the big large glowing set of of cat eyes or creature eyes yeah. or whatever the case may be and and he just started really getting into that and till the day that he died would tell people of his you know recounting the events of what happened that night seeing the eyes and just having that sensation that feeling of getting pulled through the window and that's another thing that it's like what you're saying oh it's a it's a entity a spirit or a creature whatever the case may be that has had to adapt to to yeah. the different accounts or it's just that 
because of different things people are seeing what would be these green eyes just because of information that has you know subconsciously been been placed in their brain just so many different things so many different possibilities as to what this entity could be you know or multiple entities or like i said just a case of mistaken identity like a werewolf got seen or a dog man got seen and and those types of animals and that's kind of more what i was starting to allude to with that slight tangent is the fact that animal eyes do have more of a tendency to glow at night mm-hmm. in the moonlight i shine so if you did have a hybrid humanoid animal mm-hmm. creature like a lycanthrope or a dog man or you know or even a sasquatch a cat like figure whatever the case may be you're going to have that type of stuff and and regardless of what it is it's just like oh we're gonna call it old green eyes yeah because that's what we green eyes at time and it's not every account like i said i mean you just see something that's not normal not Mm -hmm. natural but only thing you've ever really heard is either soldiers or old green eyes Mm -hmm. like if if we can't put a label label it as one it's the other one but it, it could be even more of a multitude of other things yeah so and i think it's just a such a testament to how not just history and stories are passed down but these these urban legends it's it's literally become like a game of telephone over the centuries that some of these cryptid stories have been around because you know the native americans even had stories of wendigo and sasquatch and Mm -hmm. elemental spirits and things like that so and then the correlation with say you you want to go with the christian theology yeah some of these things that would have happened were attributed to an all-powerful one being Mm -hmm. that was doing these things but who's to say that it wasn't like and and if I've got some family listening to this, this will probably be one of those you can't possibly believe that mm. uh sort of things, but say the burning bush was an elemental, oh yeah, you know what I mean, so it's something that that this particular ideology didn't understand mm. in witnessing this we're going to assign this explanation to it. This is what it was whenever this religion, this ideology, mm-hmm. oh no, we. this is what it is. And then, of course, you have another one. Oh, we've experienced that type of stuff. This is what it is. Mm-hmm. So, and that's more of that, not necessarily telephone, but a lost in translation, mm-hmm. which is still the same type of thing is a lost in translation or trans well, uh, lost in translation uh i'm losing my own translation <laughs> right now uh lost in translation sort of thing to where it is these different things or could be these different things and the the stories of what it is have been skewed so many times or have been told so many ways different times that that it <laughs> it may even be the the uh what was the one um where everybody thought about it so much that it became a thing a tulpa okay yeah yeah so maybe that's what you know this is a thing that has like you said it's had to adapt so many times because of what people's accounts and what people's Mm. stories are that you've got so many people that believe it that this is what it is Mm mm-hmm oh no it's not so much this it's this or do you have a shape-shifting or an all-encompassing entity that Mm -hmm. can take place or assume the identity of other cryptids or other and then there's you know there's the the lore of skinwalkers who shapeshift right you know uh to look like other animals or other people or you know, there's that lore of, like, you're at your house and you hear from, like, the woods or something. Your, your no, name you didn't. being called. Or, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. You didn't. It's not your mom. No. <laughs> She's in the kitchen. You know? Right. <laughs> so it literally could be anything. And it could be such an intelligent entity that it enjoys this change. 
it enjoys this whole you know kind of like Pennywise right and Stephen King's It uh, it took different it, it was an you ancient, just added another one to an the list it was an interdimensional being yeah that took the physical appearance of whatever it could to lure people closer to it yeah a clown you know a does what you're afraid of like a mummy for for that one kid at uh, anything yeah but it ended up being an interdimensional being yeah just taking the likeness and image of things that look more like the Goodyear blimp yes than, exactly you know with arms and, and taking and, it's uh, taking people's NIL to lure victims yeah so is this somewhat similar was there a little bit of truth in nice terminology drop yeah <laughs> um is there a little bit of truth in literature for what Stephen King was writing on? I mean, there are how many people, many people believe that H.P. Lovecraft was writing about real things. Right. Real interdimensional, like Cthulhu. Yeah, and something And all these that creatures in his book, there are truly people who, and, and I, I can't really say where I stand on that, but there are truly people who believe that H.P. Lovecraft was writing about things he truly saw. Yeah. That he was able to experience. So, who's to say that there's not interdimensional beings feeding on our reality? Uh, And that those become our urban legends. And it just gets more back into the truth and fiction, like you're Mm -hmm. saying, in terms of Mm multidimensional, I mean, multiversal. Mm -hmm. So many layers that can be put on so many layers that yeah we have no idea mm-hmm. I mean we we have scientists uh, currently there was a story that recently dropped that they're find using quantum computing and are finding some truth to string theory like you can't tell me right now you can't prove that there's not a train going through this room right now in another plane in another oh okay like, yeah there's no way of proving it's not Right. But they are currently working on new things. And when I read the story I was like, Oh, I don't I don't like this. This is why there's movies about not tampering with things. Uh, and I think it was you who dropped the the what if our peripheral vision is seeing Oh yeah, what would be a you different know, plane. Like yeah. why why a lot of spiritual and creature sightings and all that happen, happen in, in, peripheral. The, in the peripheral and but when you turn you, you don't see it. Yeah, and and I th- was this actually on the one of the episodes, or was no, this just in, you this hit was just me in the with office that one morning in the office yes, before I had yes. coffee? Okay, <laughs> which you can't do because I'm so, not awake yet. So so to let all of you in on the on the the knowledge, the truth bomb, and I'm actually going to do two for you today because oh. uh, we got a little bit of time to to fill in for the remainder of this episode. But, it, and this is partly looked into stuff and partly just mm-hmm. information that was found on, you know, while doom scrolling. <laughs> but the the human eye and, and animal eyes, or any eyes just in general, um, perceive, you know, in, in cones. Mm-hmm. The, the light and everything else that comes in is perceived through cones stuff like that well humans of course through evolution have become less and less reliant on the need for their peripheral vision we're not being stalked as food we yeah. are the stalkers yeah you know we're not having to worry about lions tigers and bears oh my mm. trying to come in and ruin our day um which whenever that was necessary we needed to have more more vision off to the side more of that peripheral vision and i don't know if you have heard this terminology or not but typically anything that has the eyesight mounted forward always mm-hmm. looking forward is a predator anything that has it mounted on the side more so is prey, prey because they're having to continuously look around to make sure that they're not in any kind of danger mm-hmm. and having eyes on either side gives you a lot wider field of vision humans in their peripheral vision originally were having to use more of this 
like I said, throughout the years, we're less likely to, or to need it. So that vision has genetically just deteriorated on those sides. But every once in a while, you you catch something in your peripheral vision, you swear is there, like you potentially see, you know, someone walking or something mm-hmm. walking in what would be your peripheral vision. But then you turn and you look directly at what you thought you may have seen and you can't see it because the cones on what the peripheral vision are are a lot more receptive and can pick up stuff better than what the cones and the stuff straightforward in our vision do Mm. through that evolution that we lose sight of whatever it is that our peripheral vision could see and it's thought and theorized that since there's not really any sort of of actual predators that we're having to worry about that that peripheral vision is now possibly seeing into other planes of existence Mm -hmm. and then the other one (laughs) then the other one was proving or proof Mm -hmm. that we're living in a simulation oh yeah Yeah. (laughs) and this one was and in theater mind, I want you guys to sit at home and, and picture this. The amount of space between the, the side windows of a bus, a school bus, uh, a transit bus, mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. So you've got a wall, a seat with two people, mm-hmm. could be three, depending on whether or not they're children or not, mm-hmm. an aisleway. Another row of seats with two to three people sitting in it. And then another wall with windows on it. You can, in no capacity, be sitting with your left shoulder up against the, the, the wall mm-hmm. on the left side and reach all the way across and touch the window on the right. Mm-mm. You might make it to like what would be the, the, seat. the seat on the other side, the edge of the seat. Okay. Now you're sitting in your own personal vehicle. Mm-hmm. And you have what would be your left shoulder up against your driver's side window. You can, in some cases, reach all the way across and touch your passenger window without leaning. And in most cases, I mean, you'll have to lean just a slight bit, mm-hmm. but not much. And you're going to be able to touch that window. And I'm talking, these are going to be like some some tall people mm-hmm. that, you know, would would, would be bent arm that, yeah. reaching across. Yeah. You know, I'm talking wingspan. average people. Yeah. An average person on the bus, they may make it, like their fingertips on their middle finger might make it to the middle of the aisleway. If they land. In, in, in reaching across. Yeah. Both of these vehicles fit in the same lane going down the road. Like, if you have just a two-lane road, mm-hmm. you know, white line, double yellow line, white line, mm-hmm. that bus and all of that fits in the same space going down the same road as my passenger vehicle that I can reach across and touch the other side of with no problems whatsoever. And and I, I went out. I, I have a school bus that goes past my house multiple times mm-hmm. a day. And I go out there and I look. And it's a situation where it pretty much goes... You have a very few inches from from what would be white line to edge of school bus and edge of school bus to, to yellow line. What should be feet. What should potentially be feet. Of difference. Yeah, that makes no sense. And, and, and in a passenger vehicle, albeit yes, if you get on one of those... In one of those lanes, you have probably at most two feet mm-hmm. two and a half feet in total from say if you were in the very middle of the lane you would have 12 inches from white line to edge of vehicle and edge of vehicle to yellow line 12, 12 to 14 15 inches mm-hmm. in, uh, on a school bus you have 8 to 12 inches from yeah from white line to edge of school bus mm-hmm. and edge of school bus to yellow line, 8 to 12 inches. 
six inches difference. And yeah. I can't reach yeah. across the school bus. But I can reach across my car. And the difference being a total of six to eight inches. Yeah. Uh, make it make sense. Uh, make it make sense. It doesn't. On that note, <laughs> this has been a really good episode. The Just the, the research and the looking into this was was a really fun one just because of the sheer number of possibilities that could be attributed to this and and also got the got me to thinking on some other ones some other individual types of of happenings in different places and stuff like that we are getting to a point to where we are about to round out what would be our spooky season Mm -hmm. line of shows for between two barrels um, we do have one left, which will be coming to you on Halloween Day. Uh, and that, of course, is going to be the ultimate, the most known Tennessee entity, spirit, cryptid, legend, legend uh, if you will, in the terms of the, in the realm of the spooky. And that is going to be the Bell Witch of Bell Tennessee. Witch. Uh, not the Blair Witch, the no. Bell Witch bit more uh, uh, radical stuff attributed to the Bell Witch as opposed to the Blair Witch. The Blair Witch, I was uh, I was showing Maddie uh, Paranormal Activity, and uh, and I, I told her that you know she doesn't really love the found footage type shooting. Right. I said, well, it was really made popular back in the '90s by this thing called the Blair Witch Project, that for almost a year. It had us believing that this was real. Oh, for sure. There were no credits. There were no... It was just these three people who went out in the woods with a camera. And until they walked up on stage at like an award show, like almost a year later, you had the entire planet... Thinking, thinking that this really happened to these three poor souls. Yeah, reports coming out that these guys wound up becoming possessed and killed mm-hmm. this girl and all this other stuff that was going on. I was like, it was. Yeah, they don't do that stuff anymore. It's just so brilliant. Yeah, because we didn't have social media. We didn't have, you know, they could easily stay off the grid for almost a year. Yeah, before an award show. Yeah. But when they walked up on stage, it let the world know, like, holy crap, we were duped. Yeah. I I, I will forever say that, like, Blair Witch has its its uh, its comical issues looking back at it now. Uh, watching it now with, like, all the technology we have and stuff like that. But what a brilliant thing they did. Oh, yeah. They I mean, us all. Being able to find these different buildings, going through the yeah. town beforehand. Uh, as Timmy said, setting up... Setting up the haunt. The haunt. The yeah. story. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. And uh, there are some some pretty good bell... Before we get to that episode, there are some pretty good Bell Witch things that you can uh, catch up on. Uh, there's the story that... Uh, there's the, the big movie that uh, called American Haunting where uh, Donald Sutherland's in it. Yeah. No, he's in it. Uh, some Bell Witch documentaries, uh, some different... Um, paranormal investigation shows that go to the Bell Witch Cave. Um, check into those. Watch some of that stuff. Get get a, uh, get yourself um, acclimated. To, acclimated with the Bell Witch before we talk about it on Halloween. I'm excited for that one. Yep. Absolutely. Um, just to keep you guys in the know, speaking of things that are going to be coming up, the official release of the newest licensed product in conjunction with Anthem Spirits will be released on Tuesday, October the 31st, Halloween Day. If you have not already guessed what it is, it mm-hmm. should be very easy. Just go to our social media sites as well as Anthem Spirits social media pages. You will be able to get some hints as to what that product is going to be. And if you did grow up during the 90s, it should be no problem figuring out exactly what this product is linked to or what uh, intellectual property that this new product is linked to. Um, we are almost, as of today, sold out of the pumpkin spice Good cream. 
We've for this location. We've had it for two weeks. Yeah, and it's been here for two weeks. Um, we are hopefully going to be getting some more in today. Uh, so hopefully you won't have to worry about not being able to get some if you come here to the location on Winfield Dunn Parkway, more affectionately known as Highway 66. And as you were told at the beginning of the episode, you are now listening to us via Studio 66, high atop the loft here at the 66 location. Like I said, located on Winfield Dunn Parkway, Cerebral, Tennessee. Fans of the wrestler Sting would also probably be able to guess. Yeah. The new spirit coming. Yes, very easily. Very easily. Um, very, very, very close knit correlation yes. between those two. Yes. Uh, for this new product. Uh, definitely still hoping to be able to get the uh, head of Anthem Spirits, Paul Francis, in to be able to speak with us. It's hard um, to pin him down. It is kind of hard to get him pinned down. Uh, it is kind of difficult also to get some information out to him before we get him in here yeah. uh, with all the stuff that is happening on my schedule. But I am thankfully able to get time each and every week, multiple times a week, to get up here, if not for just a few minutes, to be able to sit down and chat with you, Opie, talk about some cool stuff, talk mm-hmm. about some things that are happening in the world of the distillery. Uh, what's happening uh, also, uh, before we get out of here, make sure and let everybody know about the show coming up for you. Yes, uh, tonight is actually opening night. Ooh. As you listen to this opening night, I am... No, so that definitely explains the even fresher the shave. The even fresher baby face. This is the first time I have razor shaved since 2017. Wow. I've never had to completely bare butt it since I was the scarecrow in 2017. I've usually been able to keep scruff or right, you know, a thin layer of beard, but nope, not for this. All of it's get you. All, all of it's gone. As Opie takes on the role of the Trunchbull, the Trunchbull in Matilda, and that is going to be at the Jeff County High School, correct? Mm-hmm. Jeff County High School. Uh, we open tonight. Uh, we are unable to do Friday shows because they've got big football games at Jeff County High School uh, tonight is, or tomorrow is their senior night and then the next week is the first round of the playoffs that they're hosting ah. so we were like well we can't compete against that no so we'll do thursday shows and as two much on as saturday we, and a sunday as much as we would hope that that the performing yes. arts would would outweigh the in some communities the they sports do. not in the southeast <laughs> not not in tennessee not in the southeast that's for sure but yes, like you said, uh, opening night tonight mm-hmm. uh, shows Saturday and Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, and same next week. Yes. All right. Two weekends. And next week is the uh, Pay What You Can? Yes, next Thursday is the Pay What You Can show at Jeff County High School. A minimum of $5 donation uh, will get you into the show. Yeah. It's selling out quick. <laughs> if you have the opportunity, make sure you check that out. I know that... Opie has definitely put in quite a bit of time for this show. Um, well, these kids are talented. I was God, about to say, kids the kids talented. even more so. Like at their age, I didn't get into serious theater, seriously doing theater until after middle school. Um, closer to after high school. I uh, did a few things in middle school, a couple things in high school, but I didn't get into it. But these kids are like eight and nine years old and doing these full two hour musicals. All the lines, all the... Mo- I was like, God, I'm I, nine I years s- old. I saw the video of the walkthrough as the trunch pull. Yeah, I was too scared during rehearsal. at eight and nine. And, and the reactions that some of these kids have as the audio is going on, as you're walking through. So just to get the that, since you can't hear the our audio, there's a song over it. I just, when I'd walk up to them, I just shouted at them. Like, just to get there. <laughs> like, right. They didn't know a shout was coming. <laughs> I just said, you guys go sit over there and I'm going to do some things, okay? And I just shouted at them. <laughs> That's awesome. Because, yeah, I mean, you, you see the, the yeah. what would be like a jump scare yeah. at these different points going through this video. And it, it seems like it would in That's in fun. the home as as the Trunchbull would be going around and and laying down the law, yeah. as it were. Yeah. Um, 
And then, of course, I'm assuming it's the the young lady that plays Matilda uh, stands there just with, with the her attitude. arms crossed yeah. and a little bit of that's, attitude. That's Nora. That's the young girl who plays Matilda. She's that, fantastic. And and just in watching that video, it looks yeah. like she's definitely got the oh, she's great. the attitude ready to go for for the for the run of the show. Yeah, she's fantastic. It's a well, great cast. I'm excited to open the show with them. I, I'm I'm astounded by some of the the prop descriptions uh, costuming and prop descriptions uh because as you all know that uh matilda in both the movie um any iteration of the movie thus far as well as the the stage productions there is a a prominent scene to where a child is is grabbed by the hair and spun Mm -hmm. around and then thrown uh quite a distance and and that's something that you guys are are being able to pull off uh, as well our props I'd call him props master and magician, I guess. Uh, Aaron, who built all these things, just he used his uh, engineering mind because that's what he does, and and gave us the opportunity to practically do these things. Um, so it's it's you're gonna see some really cool things that you're just like, oh, how the heck did they do that? Nice. All because of Aaron. So and big shout out to him. And I, I understand this is also one of your more physical roles that you've had to yes. take on as well, too. Aside um, from Scarecrow, where I fell all the time. Right. Uh, Pratt Falls versus actually having to uh, yeah. really move around. Yeah. Um, I'm climbing some things. I'm picking things up. I'm in big boots and this entire suit on top of me. Um I mean, for That's visual, I mean, uh, a lot of a lot of ladies right now are, are posting the picture of the the trunchbull in the yeah. workout uniform. Yeah, saying you know it's October. This yeah. is this is me now. This is me now. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's interesting, and the costume department's done a fantastic job at um, at giving that look of what people remember from the '90s movie, uh, the same look, and also while making it themselves. Right. Um, we didn't order any costumes. They've all been handmade by our costume people, hand dyed, hand stitched, all that s- stuff. It's just uh, we've got an amazing crew behind this one. Nice. It's fantastic. And and one last thing that I want to kind of highlight as far as this is not necessarily the full on barrier breaking, mm. but just following the the actual. Um, Broadway lead in the fact that the Trunchbull is played by a guy, a guy as opposed yeah. to a woman, a female. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's my first time playing a woman, so <laughs> welcome not, to the club, well, buddy. Yeah, I mean, welcome luckily, to the club. Luckily, it's not too hard because she's a masculine woman, right? <laughs> so you it's, get a little bit easier of a transition. Yeah, it's an easier transition as opposed to like playing a really feminine woman. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, my first time doing that. Um, it's my first time doing some of these uh picking a kid up and chucking them by their ponytails so (laughs) uh, it's my first time and i really figured out the the fact that like i i have no upper body strength like i'm a pretty solid looking guy right it's all looks like no lower body i'm a lower body strength guy like i can kick things far and i can push things pretty far with my legs but lifting things with my arms i'm just not that strong at it. <laughs> so i've had to to keep to keep things uh, uh realistic i've had to start doing some arm exercises <laughs> oh there you go <laughs> but yeah i'm excited heck yeah i'm excited well like you said guys make sure you get out and check out the show if you have the opportunity you're gonna have six nights to be able to go in and see the show that's going to be thursday this week and next week as well as saturday and sunday this week mm-hmm. and next week um, next Thursday, what would be the first week in October? Uh, October the second, November. Or no, yeah, sorry, no. November. I literally just yeah. said it. November the second. Yeah. Uh, November the second is going to be that pay what you can minimum mm-hmm. five dollar donation for that show. So if you can't make it out to any of the other ones, things are a little tight. I know it is getting close to the holiday season. Mm-hmm. Try to see if you can get some tickets for that one. But as with any of the other dates, those tickets are selling out fast. So if you have not already, make sure you go ahead and get those tickets. Opie, you want to take us home, bud? Thank you all for listening to this episode of Between Two Barrels, uh, Studio 66 production by Tennessee Legend Distillery. 
Thank you for listening to all episodes. We hope that you'll continue to support us. Follow us on our social media pages. Be kind to yourselves. Be kind to others. And as always, cheers to you. Folks, once again, we'd like to thank you for joining us for another episode of Between Two Barrels. And if you aren't getting enough of that legendary content, make sure and head on over to TennesseeLegend.com where you can find links to all of our different locations as well as all of our different social media sites and our online swag shop. And until next time, stay legendary.